2: Dexcom.com slash compatibility.
3: This is The Edge with Jonathan Vontobel and Matt Humans on VCN, the sports betting network.
1: What's up and welcome in, folks. We've got another edition of The Edge and a good one for you at that. Coming up 30 minutes from now, Ben Brown, data scientist, betting analyst at Pro Football Focus, is going to be with us. He's been with us actually at the end of the regular season and into the postseason uh, regularly. So we're going to chat with Ben yet again about the Conference championship matchups this weekend. Some props as well to focus on too. Only two games on deck, so we'll get a lot of nitty-and-gritty analysis from Ben there. Also, of course, Matt Humans alongside, and we begin where everyone else has Matt Humans because it is that time of year. The Farmers Insurance Open. Tory Pines. Yes. We got a good core. We got a good tournament going on right now. Your leader, Adam Shank, today just a to Decent eight under par through fourteen at this point. He's your leader at eleven under for the tournament, followed by Justin Thomas, John Rahm, and Cameron Tringal, all at ten under. But what a day for Adam Shank just tearing this thing
3: apart right now. Yeah, eight straight birdies. Yep, at the uh, Torrey Pines course today. I can't recall. I think he's playing the North Course today. I'm not exactly sure, but if you get eight straight birdies on the South Course, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Actually, yesterday the North Course played uh, about three and a half strokes easier. And uh, John Rahm was on the south course yesterday, so no surprise that overnight, John Rahm was about two to one odds to win this tournament. I saw that number that Jeff Sherman put up at the Westgate Superbook, and uh, Rahm went into the tournament seven to one, eight to one, right around that as the uh, favorite. This is where he won his first PGA Tour event. This is where he won his first major uh, last summer U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Um, I've got a few guys in contention here. By the way, Adam Schenk. Went off at 300-1 to one at the Westgate Superbook, and I think his odds were higher at Circa, but we've got to double-check that. Hey. Uh, I've got a few guys in the hunt, a lot of big names on the board. It's very early in the tournament. Uh, basically, at this point, what you want are the guys you bet not to bomb and right. miss the cut. If, you, if they can stay in the hunt for the weekend, uh, that's what you want at this point. I don't think any of the guys I bet have completely bombed yet. Um, how about you? Did you bet anything? No,
1: I didn't play anything oh, okay. uh, this weekend. Uh, I'm going to wait a little bit. For tournaments, I'm a little bit more familiar with, right? Like a little more familiar with those Hawaii courses, especially the first one, and not so much this one. And also, for me at least, the, the multiple course thing throws me off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I like to look at, you know, singular course and guys' history throughout <laughs> it, all that, as a handicapper, and a golf handicapper who doesn't bet as much as you do. It tends to make me uncomfortable.
3: Yeah, the good thing about the uh, Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines is only two courses and you yeah. only play the north course once. I thought last week's tournament where they played three different oh, courses yeah. is the most difficult one to handicap. And that's probably why I've never won that La Quinta tournament out in the desert. Yeah. Anyway, Justin Ooh. Thomas in contention, a guy who really doesn't have uh, any positive course history here and doesn't play at Torrey Pines very often. Um. Uh, yep.
1: I was going to say some notable names that have kind of collapsed today a little bit. Uh, Dylan Fratelli, for example, is five under yesterday. Uh, he is over, he's five over today through nine. He's not had a very good front nine, and he is even at this point right now. Other guys uh, that have kind of fallen apart. Um, how about your guy, Jordan Spieth, who we like to make fun of? Not falling apart to the point of some of these other guys, uh, but now uh, for the day two over. Hasn't really gone well for him. He's back to even, as is Brooks Kepka, by the
3: way. Yeah, I did bet Brooks Kepka and I did not bet um – Jordan Spieth. I got nothing on those two guys. Um, Spieth was two under yesterday. Like you said, two over today. So he's at even par. He's out there whining. Uh, He's in a bad mood. He's not playing well. Uh, How about Xander Shoffley? What's he doing today? Because Wes Reynolds bet Shoffley. And I was talking with Jeff Sherman at the Westgate about this. I don't think you can play Shoffley on the futures board at anything less than 20 to 1. I agree with what Jeff said about that shoffley has got to be north of 20-1 to one at this point to play him. He's starting to look like the next Ricky Fowler.
1: Yeah, uh, he is dead even through 12 right now. He had yeah. bogeys on one and four, but then birdied eight and ten. So he's going through the uh, back end of the back nine right now. I he think he's,
3: what's he, four under for the tournament? Yep, four under for the tournament. So. Yeah, so he's he's still in it, but he's not playing especially well. Uh, anyway, that's probably enough golf betting talk to uh, open the show. I'm heading down to Torrey Pines for the weekend, and uh, I'll be down there for the final round on Saturday, back here for the football games on uh, Sunday. All
1: right. Well, before we get to the, uh, the coaching news and whatnot, I did want to update really quickly uh, just on the AFC Championship game, mm-hmm. humans, because it looks like we are on the verge of going to 7.5 in multiple spots. You've got Circa 7-115. You've got Golden Nugget 7-120, as does the Westgate and Wynn stations. So, multiple shops right now, it looks like, are on the verge of heading toward that 7.5 mark, at least at this point. Uh, four the AFC Championship game, but I would assume all these places who have the ultra juice on the 7, when they get to that 7.5, it's going to come back 7.5 minus 120 or minus
3: 115. Well, I think there's – you know, we still got a lot of time before this game yep. kicks off. I, I do think over the weekend you're going to be able to find plus 7.5 minus 110 at some point. And uh, bet be MQ. What's that? Might be here. It could be here. Uh, it could be multiple places, actually. and uh, That wouldn't surprise me a lot. Most people I hear talk about this game this week love the Chiefs and don't think there's any way the Chiefs can lose. Pretty surprising, huh?
1: It's pretty surprising. Just, I mean, I guess you remember what you saw last. Well, it, but it of is course, last surprising. last
3: thing people saw was uh, Patrick Mahomes putting on a show on uh, Sunday night. I, I, I think the Chiefs are going to win the game, but I also, uh, my preference here is going to be to play the Bengals at plus seven and a half. I, I, my preference in these two games would be Bengals plus seven and a half and Rams at minus three. The South Point right now is at Rams minus three and a half. And uh, there's no three out there in the market, but the Westgate is at uh, minus three and a half even. I think you're going to be able to lay three with the Rams at some point this weekend. Yep.
1: All right. And the other update, and that's really an update, but uh, just still three and a half across the board here. Flashed at three uh, for, what, a
3: few hours the other day? It's been been there for about 24 hours. It was up there for almost a full day. Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, And then the uh, Rams now back to three and a half with a total of 45 and a half or 46. Uh, With that, we do have a lot of coaching news in the National Football League. Pretty interesting. Some of the names that are floating around and moving around at this point. The Jaguar situation, which we're getting to momentarily, seems to be a nightmare. Uh, But the big news, because it ties to an even bigger move potentially, the Denver Broncos have hired uh, Packers O.C. Nathaniel Hackett as head coach per Tom Pelissero and others at this point right now. It is very clearly, I think, a ploy and maybe getting Aaron Rodgers to come on over, or at least you, know, you can acquire him, but make it more of a comfortable transition if you do.
3: Uh, no doubt about it. I think that's the Broncos' plan, and I, I had said this on VSEN a couple times. that I heard during the offseason the Broncos are going to make a big push to try to get either Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson was a prime target, but looks like it's Aaron Rodgers now. Uh, if you get Nathaniel Hackett, the OC in uh, Green Bay, it looks like it's probably going to be a package deal. Rodgers, who knows if they can get Devontae Adams as well. Uh, but the Broncos making a bold move here to uh, reshape the franchise. They've had a lot of frustrating years since Peyton Manning retired and they can't find a quarterback. And let's face it, Aaron Rodgers needs to change the scenery, and the Packers drafted. They moved up in the first round to draft Jordan Love uh, for a reason. So they got to move on with him as a franchise quarterback. Uh, this makes a lot of sense for the Broncos. Eventually I think it's going to make sense for the Packers. Um, And that's why Dan Quinn is out. So Michael Lombardi of uh, v former NFL GM, initially said, hey, Dan Quinn's going to be the coach in Denver. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some things have changed. I think obviously momentum shifted to uh, the Hackett-Rogers package deal, right? Yep. And uh, apparently Dan Quinn did not blow people away in his interview with the Broncos. Apparently he hasn't interviewed all that well with the other teams either because he's going to stay in Dallas as the Cowboys Defensive coordinator.
1: If you're Dan Quinn, though, self, like, do you see the writing on the wall and you're like, eh, you know, I don't think McCarthy's actually that good. I want to just stick around. I could probably get this job once he gets fired.
3: You no, know, I, I can't make that assumption because I, I believe Kellen Moore would be the next guy to get the head coaching job.
1: That's true. Offense, like, right, a really good offense. Cowboys.
3: Uh, Cowboys tend to think offense when they're looking at yep. head coaches. So.
1: All right, maybe that is the case, and he's just uh, not blown
3: people away. I mean, it, I would... maybe he just doesn't want any any of these jobs, or he's not going to get them. At this point, he's not getting the Chicago job. Yeah, right. He's, it looks like Denver's going to hack it. Uh, the Giants' job looks like it's not going to happen for him. Tell us what's going on with the Jaguars, because it looks like uh, the Jaguars are close to a deal.
1: Yeah, so we I, I've seen like some conflicting uh, reports out here, uh, but as of about four hours ago, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they were trying to close in on Byron Leftwich as their head coach, and apparently there was a deal in place, uh, but not yet finalized. The holdup uh, was that Trent Balky, the GM, that was not desired uh, by Brian Byron Leftwich to be the GM that he was going to work under. It was a sticking point for Leftwich. He didn't want to work under him, and it's understandable. Balky well, 's not been good. Uh, he's apparently the source of a lot of media leaks. Uh-huh. Three coaches in three years. It's been a pretty pretty poor situation in Jacksonville. He wanted. Uh, Adrian Wilson, who, of course, works for the Arizona Cardinals. Well, now, as of, I'd say, about 8 o'clock this morning or so, it does seem like that is going to be actually the situation. Adrian Wilson as general manager and Byron Leftwich as head coach.
3: Well, that makes a lot of sense for the Jaguars. First of all, if you're going to be the coach, if you're going to take that job, you have to be comfortable working with the GM. Right. And if you're not, it's kind of like if you take a college coaching job, you have to be good with the athletic director. In this case, I think Leftwich. Uh, probably made the right demand. Uh, if it's going to work out in Jacksonville, all the pieces of the puzzle got to fit together. I like that hire uh, for Jacksonville because it's he. you look at Trevor Lawrence, and his, his rookie season was a disaster. And Byron Left, which is the type of guy who could come in and uh, salvage that situation, get Trevor Lawrence turned in the right direction. How about the uh, Chicago Bears? I, I can't say that, uh, you know, we're going to talk about. Season win totals when they get put up around the uh, NFL draft, Mm -hmm. which is going to be in Vegas, by the way. Uh, I can't say when I look at the Bears, I'm more optimistic after today's hire that the Bears are really going to take a big turn in the right direction. I can't say this is a good hire. I can't say it's a bad hire. I have no idea Mm -hmm. what to make of the hire. Matt Eberflus,
1: Colts defensive coordinator, Look, I think if you're talking about a guy who has done a good job in terms of the position that he's been given, he's done a pretty good job with the Colts defense, mm-hmm. right? Last two years, they've been a top half of the league defense in terms of efficiency, developed some really good players along that side of the ball since he's been there too, right? Uh, of course, uh, being among them, uh, Darius Leonard. But I, like, I think on the surface, if you look at the job that he has done as a coordinator, you have to think that it's a positive hire at this point right now. And it's a little bit of a change from an offensive guy, but the offense has been the biggest problem for them. for a really That's long what I'm time, saying. Right?
3: I'm, I'm not really sure. I I think he'd be a great hire as defensive coordinator. Yeah. Do we know if he can be a good head coach? You don't, don't know. know. I have no idea. And I, the Bears have got to find a way to get that offense turned around. I also think the Bears need to be a little bit leery of guys named Matt
1: <laughs> That's a very fair point. Didn't
3: eh? work out with Matt and Aggie.
1: The yeah. mats have not served them well. I've missed out any part of our show or anything on the decent schedules schedule today. Don't forget, check out all those free sports betting podcasts we have to offer. Get replays of all of our shows. Download, listen on your schedule at slash podcast. You get beating the book. Josh Applebaum's Market Insights, Hardwood Handicappers, Lombardi Line, and more. All free and available now at slash podcast. When we come back, let's get into a little college hoops. you got a lot going on in the hardwood.
0: Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today.
3: This is The Edge on vSEN, the sports betting network. down a win with the football showdown series presented by Amazon Prime Videos Reacher. Play free fantasy football during the playoffs and fight for your share of $20,000 in total cash and prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Jack Reacher now. To get in on the action terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com for details. All right, we're
1: going to get to some basketball
3: Let's here. get to some hoops.
1: Yep, uh, both college and professional. First, let's start with a little bit of pros, because there's not a lot going on tonight, and there's one thing to get to from the previous night. So a 118-110 victory last night for the Memphis Grizzlies. humans. They moved to 33-17 and on the season. Uh, they have been absolutely incredible, especially since John Morant went down with an injury. They ripped off 10 out of 12 wins, and they have not calmed down. They are now third in the Western Conference, three games back for the two-seat that are the Golden State Warriors currently. But... Last night, and all the rage, I think, in the association when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies, not so much John Morant anymore. It is Jaron Jackson Jr. And what a performance yesterday from Jaron Jackson Jr. How about this? He had a six-block game. It was his second of the month. Equals the rest of the NBA combined for January. And Jackson joined Powell and Mark Gasol and Stormhouse Swift.
3: As Grizzlies. Oh, yeah. Yes, Grizzlies. Strobel Swift, former LSU star. <laughs> As Grizzlies yeah. players with
1: multiple six block games in a single month. That was sourced, uh, the source by Elias Sports Bureau. So, why this matters, right? Because uh, who cares? It's, uh-huh. a, it's a six block game. Well, about two weeks ago, you know, I tweeted it out, and uh, it was something that had come up in my research of the Memphis Grizzlies. Like, you know, hey, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s actually got a pretty strong resume here in terms of Defensive Player of the Year. And you look at it even more, and you, you kind of sift through some of the reports, and you realize that he's probably going to be an all defensive guy. For, for like, I wouldn't say for sure. Nothing is for sure, but he's definitely in the mix to be a first team all defensive guy. Mm-hmm. And then you compare his numbers to Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, the two top guys of the list in terms of the odds. And he's comparable in terms of what he's done this year defensively. And so, all right, bet him at 300 to 1 to win Defensive Player of the Year. Well, took off in the last 24 hours or so. Uh, Mitch Moss and I discussed that. He brought it up on Follow the Money. After this six block performance, humans, he has gone from last week just as high as 150 to one. Yesterday, just as high as 150 to one in some shops, to as low as 8 to one at one place right now, mm-hmm. and uh, mainly the dominant number of about 40 or 45 to one to win the award.
3: Yeah, if, uh, if one book's down to 8 to one, that means they've got a lot of exposure on him. Probably took uh, bets at a big number and want no yep. more bets on Jaron Jackson to win defensive Player of the Year because if you put that at 8 to one, you're saying. Uh, don't shop here. Don't, don't bet here. <laughs> right. Yeah, so uh, Jaron Jackson, I mean, he was a fourth overall pick out of Michigan State, yep. was that uh, three or four years ago? And that was basically based on potential. It's not like he was um, – he, he looked like a surefire superstar at Michigan State. Uh, but you could see the athletic ability, and he's got the size. And at 6'11", he's got the long wingspan, and that's turned in um, – to a guy who's a shot-blocking machine right now for the Grizzlies. You look at that graphic right there. A six-block game last night, the second of the month. And um, very impressive what Jaron Jackson's doing. Great job by you to get that at 300-1 to odds. I think you said yesterday somebody on Twitter was touting 500-1 to at BetMGM. Is that right? No, it was 500-1 at win. win. At win. at, At win, yeah.
1: Uh, and then they took a bet. That, and that's the spot that moved to 8-1 to one, okay? right. after that. So that, that's been long gone. That was snatched up quickly. And, by the way, I should note, right, really, Jaron Jackson Jr., it's not just – what he does from a shot-blocking perspective, this is from three days ago. So the, the percentage points have altered just a little bit here. But when Jaron Jackson Jr. switches in pick-and-roll coverage, Grizzlies, 0.72 points per possession, allowing a 38% effective field goal percentage on those possessions. Mm. Uh, when he's on the floor, opponent's shooting percentage at the rim drops by 8.2%. It's the best in the NBA in terms of that, according to Cleaning the Glass. So I, this is something that really does have some legs to it, and the market really shrunk in the last 24 hours. So. We're going to be rooting for Jaron Jackson Jr. here down the stretch.
3: Who do you think, um, aside from Draymond Green, who do you think uh, Rudy Gobert has been a a guy who's consistently one of the favorites for this award? Aside from those two guys, who's he he got to jump over? Um. Well, you to can win this thing.
1: The odds, and I think the, the odds are somewhat correct in that the next two guys will be Giannis Antetokounmpo at plus seven fifty. Although I will say, if you've been watching the, the Bucks, they have been insanely inconsistent defensively
3: I, lately. I can't believe that Giannis would be a, a defensive player of the year choice ahead of Jaron Jackson at this point.
1: Right. Well, and it's here's the problem, and this was pointed out on social media yesterday. Defense is hard to quantify, right? You know, we have these conversations in any sport uh, in terms of defense and being able to look at somebody and saying they're a good defensive player. It, defensive player of the year is largely built on reputation, right? Like it's right with Rudy Gobert gets it almost every year, or mm-hmm. Ben Simmons has got it, right? Because they're just guys who are known as good defenders, and they'll usually get bets. And you also have to assume me votes, and you also have to watch, right? That's part of the problem. Uh, with Giannis, he's going to probably be in the contention all the time because he's known as a good defensive player more often than not, and he should be. But i would say this. Yesterday, 120.9 offensive rating for the Cleveland Cavaliers who ran him out of the building in the Mm -hmm. second half. They've been really inconsistent. I think he's just up there because, again, of reputation. Mikael Bridges is obviously a really good candidate, but to me it was clear when you're talking about 300-1 to or the 490-1 to that I tried to get before it was pulled off the board (laughs) um, that if you're just talking about pure value and where this guy stands, Clearly, he's going to be a top five defensive player because he's going to be on the all defensive team, it seems. Uh-huh. There's some value in a number like that.
3: I've got to tell you, I can't believe that some of the bookmakers left that number up there 300 to 1, 400, 500 to 1. I mean, that's. You're asleep at the wheel as a bookmaker if you leave that type of number up there on Jaron Jackson. What are I, you doing? I, I mean, huh? I think the, these future
1: markets are there. You can find some really good values if you're paying attention on a night-to-night basis. If you remember last year, it wasn't as big, but I I played Julius Randall 22 to one to win Most Improved Player. Yeah, right at, at that point, Jeremy Grant was minus 500 to win the award. So if you're paying attention, you can find some really good spots in these award boards, and hopefully, this is going to be one of them. I'll tell you this much: uh, if this cashes, I'll be taking a couple of days off.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, it won't catch till April. So you Yeah, it's do. true. I got yeah. time. Uh, all
1: right. With that uh, news today, it's a short slate in the NBA. But the, the big news, it came down about an hour ago. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers up to a four-and-a-half point favorite because LeBron James out of nowhere has been listed as questionable with knee soreness. Uh, played against the Brooklyn Nets. They had a night off, uh, and all of a sudden this pops up today. Uh, four-and-a-half with a total of 217 I would think this is a primetime game. It's also the first leg of a back-to-back. They play Charlotte tomorrow. Uh, that is not a game of focus, right? Mm-hmm. And the NBA has kind of been in eh, about these guys missing games uh, with non-serious injuries and in primetime spots. I'm going to venture a guess and say the LeBron plays, right? But you're always going to see an adjustment based on a downgrade to questionable. And it's been a two-point adjustment uh, with the, the news that LeBron James is questionable to play.
3: Yeah, you have to be uh, honest with the injury report in case he does not play. I, w- I would still lean to thinking that he is going to play tonight. By yeah. the way, this is... A little bit ironic. I don't think the NBA scheduled it this way, but it was uh, two years ago this week when yep. Kobe Bryant died in the helicopter crash and Kobe from Philly, mm-hmm. obviously, and the Lakers in Philly tonight playing the Sixers. Yep. You think that was uh, set up that way? I'm sure there was, like, some thinking to get it around this day. Tributes, tributes more yep. tributes to Kobe. Anyway, two games tonight. The other one's a decent game, too. T-Wolves. And uh, San Francisco to play Golden State, that number six or six and a half, two twenty nine and a half.
1: 229 and a half. Yeah, and you, so Patrick Beverly's questionable. That's going to be pretty important because if you look at what the Timberwolves do defensively, uh, he's really important to what they've done. He's actually part of their death lineup. They have a death lineup uh, that has been absolutely the best lineup in the NBA. They, I haven't looked, but I think it's like plus 28 point something uh, per 100 possessions when it's out there on the floor. Uh, for here, for me, though, and I wrote about this today in the uh, the column, which you can find up at visit.com slash JVT, turnovers are the big one here. You're ta- you're, this is a an offense in Golden State that's 29th in turnover rate. It's one of the biggest issues for them all year long. Taking on the first rated team in terms of turnovers and deflections, by the way, in the Minnesota Timberwolves is what they do. Uh, they will go, they will attack, jumping, they'll, they'll jump passing lanes, they'll deflect balls, they'll cause chaos, they'll take charges. It has some weak points, right? really bad in terms of defending corner threes, uh, but this is why I think the Timberwolves are a pain in the ass for the Golden State Warriors. And it seems six and a half would be the peak. I, I was somewhat surprised it got up to that high. I mean, you haven't seen Golden State perform well offensively in a month, mm-hmm. a month and a half. You know, I wrote about it today. Against the Mavericks, that was the first time, or the th- only the third time this month, humans, that they had put up over 1.2 points per possession. Like, they just haven't really been
3: finding their flow here. Offensively. I thought they were going to be a much better offensive team.
1: Yeah, and they were for a while, and yeah. then it just kind of fell apart, and the turnovers really started to pile up. So, it, to me, it's just... If it was going to be a side, it would be the Minnesota Timberwolves. I just want to know if Patrick Beverly's going to be out there, and if he's going to be out there, I would expect a small adjustment. I think six-and-a-half seems pretty high for a Warriors team, which we haven't really seen anything consistent from them in nearly two months now. So,
3: Hey, I want to give you uh, a chance to just comment briefly on a Friday card because the NBA card on Friday is always mm-hmm. a good one, and I think we got a couple of really good games. Clippers in Miami to face the Heat, the comeback yeah. Clippers. Uh, the Miami Heat now the – uh you watch that clip I sent you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The the Heat now the uh, top seed in the East. they got the top spot in the standings. And you're talking about uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Two of those guys go head-to-head tomorrow night in Memphis. Jazz at Grizzlies.
1: Yeah, I, well, and I, I want to make sure Rudy Gobert uh, make sure he's actually going to be available, if right? If he's going to play. Yeah, if he, he <clears throat> might not. Uh, and that's going to be a matchup to watch because the Jazz have been absolutely, uh, we'll call it inconsistent. Part of it's not their fault, but Rudy Gobert, day to day. So we'll see if he's actually going to be available. Uh, it was ruled out in that Wednesday game. But yeah, like this Wednesday card's going to be awesome, or the Friday card's going to be great. And Los Angeles Clippers, again, continue to deliver, right? Got it done against the Orlando Magic in a really tough spot after coming back. Uh, in that game against the Washington Wizards. And this Heat team, they have been power-rated to the moon, and they Mm -hmm. are consistently delivering on a night-to-night basis. So, yeah, Friday's card is going to be absolutely crazy. And you also get Lakers-Hornets, which if LeBron plays, that's going to be a really fun matchup, too. Two teams that like to get up and down the floor and maybe not a lot of defense there. All right, let's get back to football on the other side. Uh, Let's talk with Ben Brown, data scientist over at PFF. We'll get his thoughts on the conference championship games, get some props out of them as well. And we'll see, uh, maybe, get his thoughts on who's moving on to the next Super Bowl here and who's going to duke it out for a title. It's coming up next here on The Edge.
3: On vsin, the sports betting network. It's never too early to prepare for the big game. We want to make sure vsin is a part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs. And then on championship weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on vsin.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. This is the fifth birthday for vsin coming up on Super Bowl Sunday, our sixth Super Bowl. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the vsin betting experts before, during, and after the action on vsin.com.
1: Love it. Been here for everyone. Very excited. Yep. Very exciting. All right. Let's welcome in. Uh, ben Brown is nice enough to give us some time today. Data Science betting analyst of Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Ben Brown under, uh, on Twitter. All right, Ben, let's start with big picture stuff, and then we'll get to the, uh, the minute details of prop bets and whatnot if you got anything. But uh, ASC Championship game, we've been sitting on seven. It looks like it's on the verge of going to seven and a half right now. Total up to 54 and a half here. So I'll let you take the floor. You know, when these two teams met, we obviously know what happened. Uh, I tend to think that Cincinnati matches up pretty well with this Chiefs defense. But what do you say?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do think, you know, from the Cincinnati offensive standpoint, they do match up really well against the chiefs defense. Obviously, you know, no Tyrell Matthew last week. I do think he's going to play a pretty significant role uh, in trying to slow down that Cincinnati Bengals offense, but uh, kind of the same kind of the same story for them, right? Joe Burrow four sacks last time they played. Uh, If they can get off the field. On third down, which is what the Kansas City Chiefs absolutely have to do. I think it's going to be because of some of those Joe Burrow sacks, and that's the way that they're going to have some success slowing down a high powered Bengals offense. Uh, And on on the flip side, I do think that, you know, Cincinnati kind of maybe figured out uh, the recipe of at least slowing down uh, Kansas City Chiefs offense that, you know, was absolutely lights out in the first half. They did have a couple big drops uh, at the end of the half, and then Travis Kelsey in the second half, that maybe was a reason why uh, they only put up three points in the second half for that Week 17 matchup. But uh, I do think that at least if you're seeing some seven and a halves out there uh, it does make a lot of sense to be on the cincinnati side of things
3: how about when you look at uh props and i don't know if you have anything on this uh, Bengals chiefs game but i know a lot of uh, betters are going to want to play jamar chase over and uh they're going to look for uh obviously the kansas city uh, skill position guys like tyreek hill travis kelsey and uh, patrick mahomes are going to want to play a lot of overs in a game like this because Ben, let's face it, uh, I've heard 15 people talk about the total in this game this week and 15 like it over. So they're probably going to bet the props over as well. We're we're looking at the Bet Rivers numbers for props for the receivers. Anything here that you really like, over or under?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we do see these, these numbers kind of trend out when we do see that game total go out quite a bit. So uh, I know it's not a really comfortable situation, but I do think taking, you know, some unders is usually the easiest approach and saying that, you know, Jamar chase uh, his number has moved on. I think it was right on 81 and a half, 82 and a half to start. You've seen it at 86 and a half uh, at bet rivers. I still kind of lean toward the over, right? I mean, uh, we obviously saw in his last game, uh, the chiefs don't really have anybody outside that could potentially stick with them. He had, you know, a couple broken coverages, a couple missed taps. Uh, on his touchdown catches. So uh, I would lean maybe over in his direction. I do think that uh, between you know Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, I do lean toward the over on Tyreek Hill, under on Travis Kelsey. He just wasn't all that involved in that Bengals matchup. But uh, the Chiefs have kind of uh, shifted how they are attacking teams, and it has been a lot more Tyreek Hill underneath. Has averaged up the target, basically uh, is at his lowest points This is rookie season. Over 50% of his attempt or his targets have been within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. So Andy Reid has kind of tried to shift to get Tyreek Hill that ball underneath, uh, and it's maybe open up some things like McCall Hardman. Uh, Byron Pringle over the top, but uh, I do think, you know, a guy like Tyreek Hill to go over 6.5 receptions, maybe to go over his receiving yardage number uh, makes a lot of sense in this AFC matchup.
1: Uh, one more on this before we move on to the next. One of the things that stuck out in going back and looking at that last game, uh, there was a lot of Joe Mixon out of the backfield. They target seven receptions. Uh, we're looking at a, a prop right now of a receptions four and a half, but really shaded to the under at like a buck 75 or uh, let's see. Yeah, like somewhere in that range. W- what do you make of Joe Mixon in terms of receptions here?
2: Yeah, definitely. So he's basically gone over, uh, you know, right in eight of eight games so far this season, three and a half. Uh, is what I'm typically looking at uh, mm-hmm. for his reception prop number plus 125. I kind of lean toward the under a little bit. I do think that if you expect the Bengals to uh, at least stay in this matchup, I don't think we're going to have uh, a ton of opportunities for Joe Mixon underneath. I just think they have, you know, a number of other options at the skill position level. And we did see, you know, CJ Uzama go over his receiving yards number last week. So uh, I like more of the pass catching situation outside of Joe Mixon. I think that anytime they're either handing the ball off to him or getting getting him some of those design. Uh, targets is probably the least efficient offense for the Cincinnati Bengals. So hopefully uh, they avoid that here. And I'm definitely leaning on the under for Joe Mixon personally here on Sunday.
1: All right, let's go to the NFC championship game and then get your thoughts here. Los Angeles Rams uh, looking to avoid the sweep at the hands of uh, Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers also looking to avoid falling to 0 and 7 against them. Three and a half with a total of 46, the predominant number here. What is it been about the 49ers that they have had the goat of one Sean McVay?
2: Yeah, definitely. It has been really interesting, right? I do think even if you look back at that week, 18 matchup, like uh, the Los Angeles Rams had chances to put that team yeah. away. They were up 17, nothing in the first half, uh, third and one situation. Matthew Stafford has nobody in the backfield ends up taking a sack. They punt the football down uh, and the San Francisco 49ers. End up getting that field for half, get the ball back, cut it to a one possession game. So I do think that the, the Rams were right there. They just couldn't put the game away uh, when they absolutely needed to. And in saying that uh, the San Francisco offensively matches up really well against the Los Angeles. Rams defense that uh, really isn't built to kind of handle a lot of this misdirection a lot of this zone heavy uh, run blocking scheme so I I do think that it's going to stay close throughout we have basically seen the number you know add the hook up to three and a half I would lean in the 49ers direction here once again given the fact that uh, I don't really see the Rams defense uh, matching up all that well against the San Francisco 49ers offense That's kind of moving guys around of course you know Jalen Ramsey is capable of kind of eliminating that one a wide receiver if he is a typical uh, one a wide receiver, but Debo Samuel basically lines up in the slot, lines up in the backfield, uh involved in motion basically throughout the whole time. So they can't just line up Jalen Ramsey against him uh, and really be effective in slowing him down. So I think the 49ers score enough points to uh keep this one close and I definitely lean toward the over uh 45 as well.
3: Okay, let's talk about some individual uh performance projections here. Elijah Mitchell when these teams played in week 18 had 21 carries for 85 yards. He's expected back at 49ers practice today, so things are looking good for him. And I want to see what your take is on Jimmy G. He's got zero TD passes, two picks in the playoffs. you got a lot of people bashing him, some people supporting him, including Kyle Shanahan today. What do you expect from Jimmy G, Elijah Mitchell, and that Niners offense specifically?
2: Yeah, definitely. I do think it's going to be a lot of Elijah Mitchell, right? I've seen his, you know, Russian attempt carry writer at 17.5. I think that's a little bit too low. I would definitely lean over on that, uh, especially if you expect uh, the 49ers to cover. I think he's going to be a guy that's definitely heavily involved. He's gone over uh, from what we have in our database, eight of 10 games so far this season on his Russian attempt total. So I'd like him to go over uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a hot topic. I would say all over the football landscape right now, as far as how you evaluate Jimmy Garoppolo. does some, you know, decent things. Things, especially from an EPA perspective. I do think a lot of people want to give Kyle Shanahan credit for him being so successful kind of within the confines of the offense, but he makes the throws that Kyle Shannon asked him. He's not getting, you know, too wild in his reads He's not basically checking it down with what a lot of other quarterbacks similar in his skill set, uh, have been doing here. So I expect it to be a lot of, you know, George Kittle over the middle. That is where the Rams defense is definitely the most susceptible. Uh, that was kind of where uh, the 49ers basically had their only passing offensive success last weekend. Against, uh, the Green Bay Packers. So, uh, you know, that in route, that's obviously a really common plays to see interceptions, which is why, you know, Jimmy Grappolo has such a high number of those. But I do think that he's going to be, you know, at least somewhat successful uh, passing the football. And I don't mind him uh, to potentially even go over his passing yards number.
3: On well, a game like this, you want to get the, the ball in your best player's hands. Debo Samuel, how, how would you approach a player like that when you're looking at rushing and receiving yards props for Debo?
2: Yeah, definitely. I do think, you know, it's tough because we don't really know the expectation for how, you know, involved he's going to be in the backfield. He obviously has gotten a number of rushing attempt opportunities, but 39 and a half rushing yards, that is uh, really high. He obviously mm-hmm. has to break uh, a number of those in order to even come close to that number. So I lean maybe more so toward his under. I do think he's going to be, you know, more involved in the passing game mm-hmm. uh, than the rushing attack. So I lean over on like an Eliza Mitchell rushing attempt carry, probably lean under on Debo Samuel to go under 39.5 rushing yards. And then maybe uh, it's a spot where, you know, over 4.5 receptions, I do think that he can potentially get there, especially if he's getting moved around the formation up to the point where he's, you know, avoiding Jalen Ramsey because none of the other, you know, Rams cornerbacks really make me all that nervous uh, and, and and are capable of basically slowing him down.
1: All right, but before we get you out here really quickly from the Rams perspective, what do you expect out of Matthew Stafford this weekend?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, obviously he's been really uh, successful in some of those blitz situations has played, you know, above expectation uh, under pressure. Uh, He showed out pretty well in the first half against that 49ers defense. Obviously they are capable of getting pressure at a really solid weight without needing to blitz ninth, ninth best pressure percentage. I think they're like 27th in blitz rate. So uh, I think that, you know, uh, they need to put uh, Matthew Stafford in solid situations to win in early downs. And I do think that Cooper cup uh, is the key to that, right? The 49ers don't really have anybody that can potentially slow him down in that secondary. So if he's getting open underneath right away, Uh, Matthew Stafford needs to hit him. And I think they need to take advantage of some of those yards after the catch, which is where they were, you know, pretty successful at uh, in this week 18 matchup in the first half. So that's kind of how I see it playing out for him on Sunday.
1: Twitter handles PFF underscore Ben Brown does an awesome job for uh, pro football folks has been with us a couple of times uh, throughout the postseason and the end of the regular season. Ben, good to talk to you again, man. Thank you for the time.
2: Absolutely. Thanks guys. Have a great show. Thanks.
3: Great analysis uh, right there from Ben Brown. By the way, we got some uh, NFL news. Tyron Matthew, very important to the KC defense full participant in today's practice.
1: Yep. Also have news uh, on another coaching search, huh? I'm
3: going to ask you in the next segment, thumbs up or thumbs down, we have some news on the Las Vegas Raiders coaching search.
1: Yes, we do. We also have best bets, college hoops to get to as well, so don't go anywhere. See you at your and V.C.
0: Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today.
3: This is The Edge on vSEN, the sports betting network.
1: Welcome back to Submit of the Edge, brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without another baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. No batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch, available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. And it's never been easier to find your Zen so head on over to zyn.com/find, Locate a store near you. That's zyncom Find Warning, product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, you want to get to the breaking news first or do you want to go to Best Bets first?
3: Let's go to Best Bets first. Get these
1: out of the way. All right, first off, uh, we won't spend a lot of time on this. We talked a little bit about it. I used it in the column earlier today. uh, Well, before the news comes down, LeBron James questionable to play with knee soreness. Uh, As I said earlier, I would expect him to be out there. It is a primetime game. It's a front leg of a back-to-back. They play tomorrow in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be the spot to not play out there. Uh, We'll see if that is ultimately going to be the case. This has since moved to 4.5 on that news, but obviously if LeBron plays, it's going to make its way back to where it was sitting uh, all morning long, which was Lakers 2.5. So that's out there, but obviously wouldn't recommend it at this point given the news of LeBron James and the unknown status at this point right now. With that, we move on to college basketball. I'm uh, interested in your thoughts on both of these matchups, Matt Eumanns, uh, but, again, kind of getting a little knee-deep into the college basketball waters, and these two spots uh, stuck out to me. First off, St. Mary's-San Francisco, a really good Western, uh, West Coast Conference game. Both of these matchups are. San Francisco down to two against St. Mary's, and this is kind of playing a little bit of a spot here, too. Uh, they, of course... Uh, St. Mary's and San Francisco. They have two just tough matchups right back to back. They play Saturday and then a couple of days later against Gonzaga, a uh, BYU against Gonzaga. They blow the matchup mm-hmm. to the Cougars in that game. Uh, and Then, of course, they lose to Gonzaga, but ultimately hold the Zags to 78 points, which seems like uh, an accomplishment in and of itself uh, and got off to a really hot start in that game and lose on the road. They get to beat up on Pepperdine, but they come back here against St. Mary's. I think this is a much-needed win for them and a the St. Mary's team that they match up somewhat well with. I love this perimeter defense. I think they're going to be able to limit what St. Mary's does offensively with this number down. I'm going to play the spot in the matchup here and play the Dons.
3: Yeah, I don't disagree with that play. It's just one of those where I made the number like two and a half. Yeah. So I, I didn't see a, a big edge here. I do like the spot for San Francisco. Uh, I don't think it's a bad matchup. And uh, the Dons should be a well rested, well prepared team for this game. I think San Francisco should win it. Uh, so. Even though I didn't play it, I don't disagree with the play. And the next one is BYU
1: taking on Santa Clara. This is BYU on the road here. But this is just – so, look, Santa Clara got off to that really great start, right, at non-conference play. Mm -hmm. Uh, They started off the season undefeated. They were like 5-0 straight up, 4-0 and 1 against the spread. They got big wins, blowout wins over teams like Nevada uh, and TCU. But since, they've fallen off a little bit, and also their defense has really fallen off, especially in conference play. And against some of these better opponents, uh, they haven't really come close to competing with a couple of them and defensively, again, really struggling especially a team like St. Mary's when you allow them to put up an offensive rating of 109.5. You're right? shot the ball relatively well there. So to me, this is a play against the Santa Clara. Santa Clara's power rating has been really up, but they've only covered two of the last seven games. I think it's been a little overpriced by the market. Mm-hmm. And BYU, I think they, again, talking about a matchup, The way they can shoot the ball, they're a little bit of a size disadvantage, but I think they can shoot the ball relatively well here against the perimeter defense and conference play that's given up 40.2% to their opponents. So give me BYU.
3: You know, I don't disagree with this play either. In fact, I did play something on this game tonight. Now this – the thing that I like about BYU is uh, they went on the road and beat San Francisco about two weeks ago, yep. and you got to prove to me you can win on the road before i 'm going to bet a team as a road favorite. I did not lay the points here. I played BYU as a money line parlay with Wisconsin tonight, okay, so I got whiskey BYU as a money line parlay uh, i I typically don 't like to lay points and I try to find ways if uh, there are two sides I like to bet it without laying the points and i didn 't want to lay the big prices on either game, but the money line parlay seemed. Uh, to make sense. Whiskey and uh, BYU. So I, I like the BYU side tonight too. I think uh, just got you got the, a big talent edge on the BYU side yeah. and that should show tonight uh, I think over a Santa Clara team that uh, obviously has like you said got off to a hot start but it was a little bit phony. Yes, I would say
1: so, and it's definitely cooled down. But the market doesn't seem to have cooled down on the perception of them either. So hasn't been a really good run for them, especially at home. Uh, they've been actually really poor at home against the number, mm-hmm. and I think part of that is because
3: they've been a little overvalued. So. And they don't have much of a home court advantage, but, really. I've, yep. I've, I've seen games at Santa Clara. It's not like a huge. It's not like one of the strongest. <laughs> Nobody's home busting down the doors on the, the west, west coast. coast. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think BYU's win at San Francisco was kind of a buy sign on that team too. Yep. All right, what do you got?
1: Uh, big win yesterday. Uh, second half, uh, Aggies just pulled away.
3: Yeah, Utah State as a home dog last night up in Logan. That's one of the best home courts in the Mountain West. That was a hungry home dog. They lost four straight, four games that went down to the wire. And Utah State last night, uh, really second half, um, took uh, the Aztecs to the woodshed and won that game by double digits last night as a a two-and-a-half-point dog. So Aggies in the win column last night. I'm going to go with another two-and-a-half-point home dog tonight. And this is not a big play for me, but I did – uh, just like an, uh, an average size bet on Iowa plus one and a half tonight against Purdue. These teams, have uh, they met in December. Iowa was a little bit shorthanded. Purdue was up 19 in that game, squandered most of the lead, ended up winning by seven. But if you look at the, the metrics for both of these teams, offensive and defensive, they're very similar. Uh, I think Iowa's a little bit of an underrated team. The reputation is the Hawkeyes are not very good on the defensive end of the floor, and they're not. But this Purdue team has really slipped mm-hmm. defensively, and it, it shows in the numbers, too. The offensive efficiency for Purdue's off the charts, but, hey, Iowa's a very efficient team on the offensive end, too. I think this is kind of a coin flip game tonight in Iowa City, and uh, I've been right about a lot of these Purdue games recently. I'm not crazy about this spot because Purdue has uh, tended to play very well in Iowa City in uh, recent years. Uh, but I think this is going to be one that goes to the wire. Give me the home dog again, a home dog with revenge. Iowa plus uh, two and a half tonight.
1: Uh, really quickly, before we get to this partly, because this And by the way, Jaden
3: yeah. Ivey is back for Purdue. Yes. He missed uh, Sunday's game. Purdue beat Northwestern by 20. Ivey did not play, but he's back in the lineup tonight. Like Ivey, like watching him play. Um.
1: Really quickly, before we get to this parlay, because this game is going to tip off mm. in actually nine minutes or so, we should touch on the fact that the Badgers looks like they're going to close as high as nine and a half in some spots. This is moving as we've been on the air. They were it, minus
3: two eighty when I played them on the money line parlay. They were seven and a half point favorites, minus two eighty.
1: Now they're up to eight and a half, nine. One spot showing uh, eight and a half, or excuse me, nine and a half. Total down to 144 and a half. This is what I found interesting uh, because Badgers coming off the loss to Michigan State and East Lansing. That was last Friday, right, mm-hmm. for Wisconsin. Uh, but what's at stake here, uh, who cares about the, uh, the overall result? How about this? Wisconsin, 8-0 run to the over, 13-5 and to the over on the season. And this is a Nebraska team that likes to run, get up and down the floor. They'll play at a quick pace. Uh, this is what's at stake here, though. High total, but this has been an over team Wisconsin has. And an eight no run to the over. is at stake.
3: That's uh, interesting because you don't think that when, right, you, uh, when, you, when you think about the Badgers. I do think that Purdue-Iowa game is going to be up and down. Uh, those are two, like we said, two very efficient offensive teams. That should be a fast uh, pace game tonight, too. That should be a good one to watch back and forth at a fast pace in Iowa City. Total in that one, as high as 154.5 at a couple of spots right now. Uh, Boilermakers and Hawkeyes. Let's look at this uh, parlay. Now, Juantana is a bartender down here at the I South. I figured Point. that
1: was her when you sent this she's in. She's got a
3: knack for hitting uh, a lot of these money line parlays. You know, we showed a ticket that she hit on like a five team NBA yeah. parlay. Mm-hmm. She's got a nose for picking winners. Some people do. You know, a lot of people have a nose for picking losers, but she uh, she picks winners. Here's her parlay from the weekend four team money line parlay. Bengals plus 170, 49ers plus 210. So she's 2 and 0 going to mm-hmm. Sunday. hmm she got the rams plus 140 uh, this is a ticket that costs $40 and pays off 1700 and she closed it out with bills plus
1: 115
3: oh man oh man that's a tough beat. She said it. she was uh, ticked off about it for two days. I <laughs> would be, too, especially losing like that. Huh? 13 uh, seconds man. left on the
1: clock. You're feeling great. You got
3: it in the pocket. Four dogs on the money line. You get the first three. It looks like you got the last one. They scored with 13 seconds to go, and you can't close it out. That's a tough beat. Uh, but great job by her capping those uh, four dogs last week.
1: Man, it always parlays, too. That's the thing. You talk about sniffing out winners. <clears throat> So these four- and five-team parlays that she's been hitting. The other one was pretty good, too. I think uh, she had to hedge off of it, though, right? Because uh, yeah, it ultimately didn't hit. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, uh, there's uh, plenty left on the board here, both uh, college and uh, pro hoops. So you should note, too, uh, that there is a little bit of a move here. So we talked about LeBron not playing, and the number got up to 4.5. Uh, some of these sharper books out there, Westgate and Circa, uh, have come off of that hook. It's now 4. Okay. So it, it, I, I expect it's pretty high. And LeBron, or excuse me, Seth Curry's not going to play for the Philadelphia 76ers either. They're not a full strength, too, so. Seems pretty high, even with LeBron James. You know, one
3: thing I was going to throw at you here before we wrap up the show, the second game tonight, T-Wolves and Warriors yeah. in uh, San Francisco. Stephen Curry shooting 36.5% from the field this month. This would be the first time in his career he's shot less than 40% in a calendar month. What's wrong with Stephen Curry, do you think? If there's anything wrong, is just having a little bit of a shooting slump this month.
1: I don't know. Like, so I got to talk to Dieter Kurtbach, who covers the Warriors out in the Bay Area for the podcast actually last week, and he mentioned that, He almost thought they got a little full of themselves the way they were talking about everything and kind of started coasting. Uh, And after that Suns loss, it kind of set them straight a little bit, but they never got to bust out of that slump. And he's been their only shot creator for a while. So, Uh, all right. With that, oh, yeah, really quickly, thank you for the reminder, Santos. Uh, We didn't get to it. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Looks like McDaniels is going to be the guy for Las Vegas.
3: Well, Las Vegas Raiders are going to interview Josh McDaniels, bring in a, a, a GM from the Patriots. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Something in the middle.
1: I like it. Bill O'Brien thumbs might up. be the
3: offensive coordinator, too. So, thumbs up to yeah. Josh McDaniel. Just the recreate Raiders. the Patriots, okay.
1: man. It's going to be great. Call Tom Brady. Get him out of retirement. All right, we're all done. My guys and Desmond coming up next. Hey, Sarah. I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented.
2: Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully (laughs) human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds...
3: It was shocking.
2: I have to
1: know...